0: The number one problem with a lot of remote companies right now is that they are misclassifying their contractors as employees. And misclassification in terms of uh, laws not only attracts a heavy penalty, but can also lead to de registration of the company and shutting down.
1: Welcome to the Going Global podcast, brought to you by Globalization Partners. Hire anyone, anywhere, quickly and easily. Use our AI-driven, automated, fully compliant global employer record platform powered by our in-house worldwide HR experts with 97% customer satisfaction ratings. Globalization partners succeed faster. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Going Global, the podcast where leaders of high-growth companies tell us their own stories of going global and building global remote teams. I'm your host, Diego Mendiburu, and remember that you can find all episodes of this show on Spotify, Google and Apple Podcasts. On today's show, we're going to interview Bagyashree Pancholi, or Shri, as she likes to be called. Bagyashree has managed remote and hybrid remote teams as big as 600 members across 12 time zones and also with startups working alongside CEOs. Combining her experience at marketing and remote operations and HR, she's helping Flatworld grow as a remote developer recruitment agency pioneer, while also spearheading the remote work revolution in India through her consultancy All Remotely. So Sri, thank you very much for joining us in this podcast. Thank you so much, Diego. Pleasure to be here. My first question is, of course, you've been uh, trying to evangelize and tell about the wonders of remote work for a long, long time. And suddenly the pandemic hit us and now everyone is, you know, forced to do it. How has been your own experience working remotely during the pandemic? How much did it change your normal life? I bet you are thinking, I told you guys.
0: Yes. It's actually the funny thing is that nobody was prepared for what uh, we've been witnessing for eight months now. And what is being tagged as the largest experiment of work from home is not remote work. Now, remote work is a very advanced level of work from home where the company goes through an complete overhaul in terms of how they manage people, how they hire people, how they use tools, how they use processes, how they handle their clients, everything uh, with a very advanced level of digital transformation. What we see currently is a pushed transition to uncharted waters. And this has actually made a lot of people feel that remote work is not viable. For me personally, even though I've been a remote worker for the last eight years working with global teams, it wasn't easy, uh, not in terms of work, but of the entire uh, surrounding or the environment of fear and uncertainty around us. So definitely it has taken a toll on me, on everybody else psychologically, but since I was already used to it, so it was easier for me but I can understand why it's not that easy for a lot of
1: people. Tell us a bit more about your experience. Uh, I mean, I've already introduced you, but when did you start You know, like pushing towards people getting to know more about working from home, remote work, remote first, and all these types of work that we can experience now thanks to technology? When did you find out that you wanted to focus on that? And what kind of world was it before the pandemic when you spoke about this in conferences with other companies with other entrepreneurs what kind of reaction did you find before the pandemic
0: so my journey started way back in 2012 and we did not have a lot of tools that we have now for a lot of for managing for collaborating for communicating in remote teams for us it was a lot of manual process or we had to perform a lot of hit and try and error and refine and succeed sort of uh, you know Uh, transformation we did i started remotely because my husband's in the military let me put it that way and i wanted to tag along with him to all of his postings and after our marriage he was moving for a foreign tenure to argentina Mm. and i wanted to tag along because i'd never been to south america so I started exploring and I was fortunate enough to find these communities, open source communities, where a lot of developers were working remotely and they introduced me to some of their bosses or their colleagues. And that's how I came to know of something like remote jobs exist. And I started my first job. People have been open about remote work, especially these new startups, because it's obviously Cheaper to start without an office, it cuts down on a lot of operational costs. And as a startup, you're always running short of money. So remote work was uh, actually something that startups embraced. And now we see that even the large corporations have started embracing it. It has been a nice ride for me personally, because I've had the fortune of working with very progressive, intelligent people across the globe. I have personally grown a lot, learning from people from various cultures, uh, working with them, interacting with them, you know, how they perceive life, what challenges do they face and everything. And this is something that I absolutely love. So I think that people should work remotely in global teams because that not only enriches them in terms of their professional knowledge, but also as a person.
1: Going back to this idea of what was the world before the pandemic, I imagine, I don't know if you agree, but for many entrepreneurs, the whole idea of having an office or being in a co working space was an achievement by itself. You know, like I got to rent this fantastic space that we work, it's fantastic, we have free beer, everyone is happy and playing ping pong, you know. And suddenly things have changed dramatically. And it seems to me that hopefully after this pandemic is over, it will become now a norm to hear. Entrepreneurs say, no, it is better if I save money and instead of paying a rent of a beautiful co working space, we just implement remote work. Do you feel that is true?
0: Yes. Why? Because ping pong and free beer is not going to get you clients or revenue for growth. People yeah. who are appreciated for their hard work they put in to grow a company, people who feel recognized, valued, and companies that treat their employees with respect and in an ethical way would see that, you know, they are, those are the people that are succeeding. What has been happening is that a lot of companies have been luring people or employees with all these free stuff, you know, uh, Friday barbecues and swags and uh, whatnot. But now people have started to realize this health has become a priority for all of us that this is not what they want. They want genuine benefits like health insurance, some sort of medical plan, pension funds, childcare, and, and, you know, the regular benefits that come with an one-side job. So now the companies must figure out that if they are indeed turning remote and saving a lot of money, they should definitely reinvest that money in healthcare plans or in some sort of benefits or compensation packages to their employees. You know, the differentiator was the thing that people could work remotely. So that remote work was a differentiator uh, pre-COVID. Post-COVID, because remote work has become the new normal and everybody is adopted to it, the differentiator would be how you treat your employees.
1: I love that idea. Okay, before we go into that, Let's uh, begin with the basics. You've mentioned there's work from home, remote-friendly, remote-first, and hybrid approaches. Please tell us the differences between these concepts.
0: All right. So work from home was essentially a concept from the pre-COVID times where, let's say, if you are sick or you have something to do at home, you know you have a child who's sick, and you ask permission from your manager to work from home for that day or for certain days in a week, and your permission is granted. So that's work from home. Essentially, you're still working from the office. You would go back to the office once your obligation at home is over. Mm-hmm. Remote first essentially means that the company may have a collocated located team, but then their preference highly, they, they prefer um, people who work remotely. That's remote first. Remote first is still a, a very ambiguous term because none of these definitions are written anywhere. And this is how... Every company is interpreting them on their own. But to my understanding, this is what remote first means. World remote is something that we all love. No physical office, no physical headquarter, no brick and mortar office anywhere in the world. Everybody is working remotely from wherever they want to work. And then comes the most challenging hybrid teams where I was fortunate to work for three years and I led a hybrid team. And hybrid team is that you have some people working from offices and some people working remotely and this is like the most challenging type of workplace which i see is going to be on the rise now
1: i mean you've already mentioned this but how well prepared were companies and i would have even workers and people to face this new reality of of remote work i mean uh, it took us by surprise obviously right
0: yes it did for a lot of companies even in some of these largest corporations people were taken aback as to what has happened and a lot of these processes in these companies were uh, manual, people were not prepared, there was some sort of mismanagement. And now that everybody's working from home, people are realizing that their are all the processes of being in the office together and, you know, all those social aspects of interacting with colleagues in the office is not working out. People initially, as you know, were upset about it and they resisted the idea. But now the employees have stood up and they've, you know, started embracing it and they're liking it. So now they are pushing for it. And employers need to fulfill the wish of
1: what the employees want. But I guess that's exactly what you said before. I mean, why was there a resistance from certain employees? I guess it was because there was no plan, right? And and literally you didn't know you were not you didn't even have a desk or a working chair. In, in your house and some companies just said well you, you do have a personal computer then you can work in your home you already have internet of course because you play video games or whatever so you you're already paying for it and, and that's part of the issue right i mean companies were not prepared yes. so we didn't know what kind of perks and things would make yes. an easier life for workers at home right
0: definitely so this is something that i'm seeing a lot in the younger population there's in fact a survey Uh, That states that the younger employees, 40 and below, uh, aged 40 and below, want to return to the office and the older generation wants to work from home. And that's a stark contrast because we've always been seeing that millennials want to be location independent. They want to travel the world from all these beautiful mountains and beaches and then want to work. But why they, they are pushing to go back to the office or uh, to a co-working space is because they may not have a conducive home environment. Most of these people would be renting out an apartment with their friends. And so if everybody's on a Zoom call, four or five guys living in one apartment, just imagine the noise level. They may not have the requisite infrastructure. So especially the emerging economies like Latin America, Asian, Africa, Internet is still kind of a luxury. Good Internet. I wouldn't say Internet, but good connectivity is still a luxury. People may not have it. Uh, people may have their social and cultural uh, requirements like they may have large families, children, old parents in the house. So they have they may have a lot of uh, reasons. A lot of women don't want to work remotely because they may have abusive partners and going to the office was kind of a timeout for them. Yeah. So for a variety of reasons, yes, people were resisting it and uh, companies were also okay with it because, yeah, they have invested billions of dollars in real estate. So it was working for everybody.
1: What are, are the implications that sometimes are not as visible as obvious of remote work, but that we have to start talking about because, yeah, this is an emergency, But as you've said, and and it is obvious for everyone, as companies think this is the new normality and start to realize how much money they are saving by not paying rent or electricity on the Internet or whatever, what is the real cost for workers and for people uh, doing this? And and I imagine things like privacy, like literally we are having fun uh, with these videos of people that suddenly are leaving their webcam on and oh. They, they went to the bathroom and we all saw that. Oh, haha, that's so fun. But no, there's a really serious implication of having a mix what your work life that has a special space on, of its own and your personal life in the same space. And that's a clash. And it's not as funny as it sounds. And what kind of things can we do in order to you know, accommodate this new reality and, and make it more logical and reasonable for everyone?
0: Yes, definitely. I've been reading quite a lot. And you know, all the people who have reached out to me to get consulted, and this has been their number one challenge, the spillover of working hours into their private hours. And now just imagine a young couple, and both of them are working from home. So there's no clear demarcation when the office hour ends and when the cooking hour starts. And also, uh, traditionally, a lot of the managers had this principle that, you know, you are only working if I can see you. And now their their normal working hour is being extended by two, three hours on an average. And that's equal amount of time that they would have spent traveling to the office uh, during the pre-COVID time. So this has been the number one challenge. People... I have started reaching out to all these wellness coaches, health coaches, and the reason why this is happening is because there has been lack of organization, personal organization from the employee side, and also certain um, wishful expectations being set up by the companies. And this is actually detrimental. So now, just imagine if you are experiencing burnout and you have your hiring manager shouting at top of his voice on a zoom call, you may have a nervous breakdown, you may have an anxiety attack. and what companies did not know back then was these could form a part of workplace injury that could attract a lawsuit and now, because it is all very new. People have not been realizing what they're doing would, could have serious consequences in terms of legal action, in terms of employee health, and in terms of general growth of a company. This is what I want companies to consider.
1: Okay, but that's where you come in, right? That's where all remotely comes in I would guess I mean what do you do uh, I guess you you work with these companies in order to prepare them for start to working remotely but also to you know focus on these issues that you have uh, clearly pointed yes. out I guess right and and also with the workers so they can you know have processes and methodologies that allow them to truly be more productive but without disrupting their own personal lives right
0: yes Yes, so I generally do a lot of internal team management when it comes to remote work. And because I am a registered lawyer in India, I do legal compliance and workplace policies. And it is time that these companies, whether they are looking to embrace remote work or they intend to stay, you know, working from home because we are still not going back to the office for a foreseeable future, or until the vaccine arrives, companies need to consider benefits uh, packages and compliance. That's very important uh, in terms of law, labor laws, employment laws, workplace uh, laws, and in terms of revenue. So finance laws and accounts. So yeah, people need to consider. Companies need to consider this because it's happening. There is this famous case from the U.S. where this woman, you know, she was to answer a zoom call from her manager and she was rushing down the staircase she tumbled she fell down the staircase and broke her bone and she sued the company for workplace injury and the company lawyers obviously said that no you were rushing down the staircase at your home at your own home and it's not relevant to us but the court ruled out that she rushed down the stairs to pick an office call so, yes, it's a workplace injury. And it's a very small example, but it is happening. There are uh, workers that are suing their companies because now they are extending their work hours. They have a lot of screen time now. And they are getting these uh, weak eyesight, and they are supposed to wear glasses. And they are suing their companies' uh, employers for that as well.
1: So, one party is obviously having authorities, governments, congresspeople working on new laws to protect. Workers and to regulate remote work, but we know governments are not the fastest entities in the world. So, what can companies do? And especially, I mean, how easy would it be for them to suddenly start introducing these changes? How, from your own experience, how open are companies to to make these changes in order to, uh, you know, make a more make it more comfortable to work remotely? and safely also
0: companies are doing whatever they they can in their power to do it i i'm seeing a lot of companies they now want to be ethical and respectful of their employees they are reaching out to these services of employer of records or peo uh, companies and they're asking them hey Now we're going to work from home or we are looking to hire from different countries or we already have people working from home in different countries who used to come to our home branch offices and work, but now they're working and we want to treat them right. We want to treat them, you know, with respect and recognize them. So this is what we want. We want to comply with the laws. We don't want to misclassify our our employees and contractors anymore. We want to set up good packages for them. We want to set up good packages, pension plans, you know, just in case for their children and everything. And people are doing that. Companies are doing that now. It's not easy. It is expensive. I've been told that the services of a PEO company are expensive, but I strongly recommend that this is the way they these companies take because lawsuits are going to be at least 10 times more expensive in case something
1: happens. And now that you mentioned this, it's also important for workers to know that this sort of companies yes. exist and services, because otherwise we are left with this notion that the only way is to be a contractor. And again, you've already pointed out the risks for companies, but also for workers themselves is... Probably that means lacking essential uh, benefits, insurance, Absolutely. or health services in their own countries where, where where they are working. So that's a huge difference, right? And and that's part of probably what you do, and what we all have to do is to tell people that there are options indeed, and they should suggest their employers that they analyze and and probably also choose that options like the employers of record, right?
0: Yes, you know the number one problem with a lot of remote companies right now is that they are misclassifying their contractors as employees and misclassification in terms of uh, laws not only attracts a heavy penalty but can also lead to de-registration of the company and shutting down and there are companies doing that so there's this famous californian test called the abc test and all the American companies are supposed to comply with the guidelines laid down by test, but we are seeing that some companies are doing it and some companies aren't doing it. Apart from you know these employees uh, benefits and perks and compensation part, I would also suggest that companies look into treating the employees right, because as I said, this would be a differentiator now. And traditionally, they were hiring contractors Uh, With a contract clause saying that you can't work with a competitor, but if anybody has studied law a little bit, they would know that this is just a deterrence and holds no true value. And that's why it's a void and a null piece on the contract. Mm. And it could risk stealing away of your IP Mm. to your competitor via a contractor.
1: So we've talked about the, the legal part, the, the, even the health part, the privacy part. But what about some sort of framework for employees to work remotely and, and be happy and be productive? Is there an open source common framework that companies are using and replicating in order to achieve, you know, at least being as productive as they were before the pandemic, or even more? Or, you know, what are the options, or what kind of work do you do at all remotely in order for companies to establish these new kind of processes
0: so there's no open source like that but then there are some amazing uh, articles that have been written by these companies that have been remote globally for a really long time and that's a good reference and a good guide but i never suggest anybody to blindly copy it because what works for them may not work for you and especially when it comes to you, Uh, teams that are very diverse uh, spread across various time zones and also you know companies that are based in emerging economies Mm -hmm. as opposed to the developed economies they have their unique set of challenges Mm -hmm. now this is where I come in I especially work with companies that are working in the emerging economies because I understand their cultural background what a lot of people don't understand is they are in this race to define the company culture, but company culture is nothing but what you do. And what you do is what, how you were brought up in what kind of culture. So you always carry a part of your home culture, wherever you go and you infuse it into your office culture. And this is what I do. One of the major challenges I see is that people are copying these guides from the internet, without realizing that it's not going to fit them and they are expecting some sort of magic. Now, productivity, as you overhaul your processes, your documents, how you work as a team, is no magic wand that, woof, you just, you know, move your hand and you're going to be productive. No, it starts from hiring the right kind of people. It ends at scaling the company. So the entire process needs to be changed. And that takes time. That takes a lot of time. But in the longer run, you definitely see the results. You definitely see your company, uh, people appreciating the kind of services and the kind of you know team bonds, the kind of networking they do. They, of course, become more productive. And I think it also impacts hugely on employee retention because hiring every time is expensive. Yeah. So employee retention, if any company is looking for employee retention, I would definitely ask them. To hire the services of the right PO, go for remote work, and just scale into a global wonderful company.
1: And of course, if a company doesn't know where to start, you can they can approach you at all remotely, right? Yes. So I mean, we have to talk about certain tools, digital tools, that of course have become essential for remote work. Nowadays, everyone is talking and using Zoom and Slack. But I mean, can you share some Hidden gems of technology that can make remote work easier. Other pieces of software that can make a big difference when working with teams uh, across the globe.
0: Oh yes, actually, you know, when I always suggest that if you're working with teams that spread across time zones, don't rely too much on synchronous communication. But on asynchronous communication, and that's how it should be done because somebody might be sleeping at two, you know, it would be 2 a.m. at that person's place. You don't you not expect them to pick up your call or your zoom call and answer your or answer your email. So asynchronous is the way to go, and the best way of asynchronous communication is I think emails. But of course, there's Zoom and Slack that everybody is doing and they're having these daily stand-up meetings and stuff. My personal favorite are these, okay, so I would go by, for onboarding, I really like this tool called Humanly, humanly humanly.io. And there's another one called Tidy, T-Y-D-Y. I think they are wonderful pieces of software for remote onboarding. Then comes your internal team management and process management, documentation, slab is good, notion is good, for how you manage your team. Or for collaboration, you can use Asana, Trello, Basecamp. They're like literally so many projects. Jira G- is another good tool that a lot of people use. Then for communication, you obviously have your Slack. A Slack, personally, for me, could be a little more, um, it could be, you know, very congested for me. There are alternatives like Discord and Twist. I personally like Twist a lot. And then for virtual team bonding and meeting activities there's this lovely slack integration called donut and then you have these virtual tools that make you play games now and uh, you have atrium for that and then you have let's type so i think there are like lots of tools available for scheduling meetings and finding out the right slot for everybody on the team you have meter app i mean there's like Plethora of tools available right there. So you just have to go
1: and see which one fits your team better. We're approaching the end of the conversation, but of course, we have to talk about what's next. What do you think will happen immediately after we're done with the pandemic? Hopefully, sometime in the upcoming months. And but truly, what will happen in the you know far future in terms of how people work and the concept of the office? And this central space we all go and, and trans and move from our home to this workplace. How much will that change in the in the far future?
0: I think once the vaccine arrives, we would all be in a rush to move out of our house. So I would definitely see that people would start i working from co-working spaces or from their offices. So there would be a decline, definitely, but it would be a temporary decline. And it would just be a seasonal decline because of something new has happened. And, you know, people are now free to move out and about. But in the longer run, definitely people are going to embrace the hybrid system of working. They would want more flexibility. They would want to work from wherever they want to work, whenever they want to work. And this is what the companies need to embrace about. So if they're still thinking that people are going to come to the office at a set hour and leave at five o'clock in the evening, maybe they won't attract the right type of talent because the right type of talent would have the power to choose the right kind of workplaces and they would obviously go for flexible cases. Uh, Apart from that, I think that a major differentiator would become the benefits. And like I said earlier, this was a health a medical emergency. And I do see that we may have something like this in the future again. And people would want all sorts of medical plans. They would want all sorts of pension plans. They want all sorts of benefits from their employers. They don't want to risk it any longer. And so they would push those employers to grant it to them. And if they're not doing that, they would be, they would, I think they would just not think twice before quitting that job and moving on to an employer that offers them a lot of package that is better in terms of compensation, benefits, and also flexibility. So I think the future holds enormous growth for companies that are offering employer of record services because people would hire globally now. There's no reason for them not to hire, and these companies also Yes, help them set up, you know, branches in other countries where they want to hire. I think people would do that totally.
1: I think now that you say that, I have to ask, how much do you think this will change the geography of work? If you allow me to say, you know, how, how certain countries will become hubs for certain types of uh, professionals or not? What, what do you think about that?
0: It would be a very borderless uh, workplace now. So we used to hear of these, you know, doctors without borders and, you know, lawyers without borders. It's going to be workers without borders now. Mm -hmm. And now that, you know, everybody is very skilled at their job, they're fluent in English Mm -hmm. in a lot of other countries as well. The local talent might not be protected in terms of language fluency or in terms of skill, because there are people who may be better at skills in different countries. The only way you can be protected as an employee is constantly upskilling yourself and, you know, ensuring that you're still in demand. Your skills are still in demand. How the companies can ensure that they are still attracting the right talent is how, you know, they, they market their packages and benefits and stuff. But yes, it would be a global talent pool that companies would like to tap into. And we would definitely see a lot of people being hired from emerging economies because they're wonderful. Yeah, we we guys are wonderful.
1: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Thank you very much, Sri, for your time. It has been a fantastic conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. And I really, really learned a lot because I truly feel that, I mean, the name you just came up with, Workers Without Borders. I think it's a fantastic name for a new NGO that could work you know, towards protecting workers' rights all over the world. And that's a new reality. And that's part of the messages that you shared with us, right? Like this is a new reality that forces us to make changes from government, from the companies, from workers themselves, Because this is the new uh, reality we will be living in for the upcoming years.
0: Yes, definitely. Uh, It's not going to remain the same. It would never go back to being the same. There would always be a more globalized approach in how uh, companies act, perform, higher. And this is something that people should brace themselves for. It's going to be a monumental shift, yes, definitely. Thank you so much, Diego.
1: Please let us know where can uh, people find you, your company's web address and other, maybe your email, other yeah. types of connections they can make with you.
0: Sure, so I go my by my original name, Paki Shripancholi. That could be a little difficult, but I'm so sure Diego would craft a nice poster where my name is there, so you can search for me on LinkedIn. And the website of my company is allremotely.com and it has all the contact information. So feel free to go there, check out what I do, how I do, and feel free to reach out. I'll be happy to speak with you.
1: Thank you very much, Sri, for your time.
0: Thank you so much, Diego.
1: I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember that you can find all episodes on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you're planning to hire a new global team member, Globalization Partners makes it easy to onboard international talent in a matter of days. Go to globalization-partners.com to get started. This is Going Global, presented by Globalization Partners.